Today on Blue 58, we close out our season review of the 2020 Packers with two wins and a loss. And oh, what a loss it was. Take a deep breath and let's return to that sad January day at Lambeau Field. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. A couple newsy things I want to get to quick before we start talking uh, playoff football for the 2020 Packers. First, Tyler Lancaster is back in Green Bay. Don't have a ton to say about this news, but it looks like the Packers really are committed to bringing back just about everybody who put on a Packers uniform last season and running it all back again. And look, I, I get it if you're not super excited about Tyler Lancaster. I think there is some value in the known commodity there. He's a big body, an athletic tester. Uh, a listener was careful a couple episodes ago when we were talking about defensive linemen to point out that he doesn't always play up to his athleticism, which is fair, but he tested very well as an undrafted free agent back in 2018. Big long arms, big dude, uh, and in very narrow use cases, uh, he can be pretty good. But the problem is that it's a pretty narrow use. I mean, he's pretty much a base lineman in a 3-4 base defense. And as teams play less and less base, there's less and less snaps to go around for guys like that. But at least they'll have him um, if and when they run those sort of packages. Next news is that uh, the NFL is officially going to 17 games. This was basically a foregone conclusion since it became a possibility uh, in the last collective bargaining agreement. It was not so much a matter of if but when. But I would push back a little bit on a couple things that I'm seeing in in the media. Uh, the big headline I think I've, I've seen thrown around most regarding the 17 games was that this was inevitable. No, it wasn't. It wasn't inevitable. Uh, this was something that the league chose to do because it wanted to make more money. The sun rising tomorrow is inevitable. The NFL chose to make more money. That's what happened here. This was not something that was just going to happen. And it really bothers me when sports leagues spin things that they do as just, well, this is the inevitability of market conditions. The NBA did this for years and years and years with uh, ads on jerseys. Something I staunchly oppose is for a variety of reasons. Well, I think that it, it looks tacky for one. I think it makes things more about or equally about a sponsor as opposed to the team itself. And it just distracts from the game. Plus, again, it just looked really bad. But for years and years and years, after he took over from David Stern, NBA commissioner Adam Silver said, well, kept saying, well, jerseys on ads are inevitable. No, they're not. This is something you chose to do. A 17th game didn't have to happen. This is something that the NFL is choosing to do. The players have agreed to it because it's really the only way that they can get more money. And so here we are with a 17th game that really didn't need to happen, that is probably going to water down the product some. Yes, we get more football, but how much is too much? There's got to be a limit somewhere. Back to the Packers. We are closing out a review of the 2020 season today. Week 17, the Packers head to Chicago to take on the Bears. And what happened in this game? This game was about three things. First, events surrounding the game. Just before this game, David Bakhtiari tore his ACL. Something that when it came across my Twitter feed, I did not believe was a real report. I thought for sure 
this is someone pulling a fast one on us. This is someone with putting Ian Rappaport as their account name and their handle is something like at cheesybread46 or something like that. They're trying to pull a fast one on us before the Bears game. Nope, turned out to be real. David Bakhtiari tore his ACL. Also, just prior to this game, the Packers signed uh, Damon Harrison, finally bringing snacks to Green Bay. And he was active for the Bears game and played and played pretty well. Second big consideration heading into this game was getting the one seed. The Packers could technically have still gotten it without a win, provided a couple other things broke their way, but it you know, might as well take the easy route and do it yourself. So that's what they were trying to do. Third, staying healthy. Outside of David Bakhtiari, just don't lose anybody else for the playoffs. So get a win, figure out what you're going to do with your playoff offensive line, and uh, make sure you get that one seed. In the game itself, the Packers played super conservative and super efficient and still won because the Bears are pretty bad. Packers only ended up running 46 plays on offense. Lots of running plays, but they scored on their first three possessions. A bit of a swoon in the third quarter, stop me if you've heard that one before, made this game look worse than it really was. Early in the game, Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets loose for a big touchdown. Beautiful adjustment with Aaron Rodgers on an audible, motions him towards the inside. He's the inside man on a three-wide receiver set on the right side of the the formation. That means he's matched up with a linebacker. All he's got to do is run straight down the field as fast as he can, and if there's one thing Marquez Valdez-Scantling can do really well. It's run very fast in a straight line. But in the second half, he dropped what should have been another long touchdown, and it cost Aaron Rodgers the single-season passer rating record in the process. But really, the Packers played pretty well. No style points here. They got the win. They got out healthy. That's what they were setting out to do. So did anything emerge from this game that ended up being kind of a long-term storyline or concern? They got the one seed. That is all that mattered in this game. So in this ultimately pretty forgettable Week 17 game, what did we forget? First, Dominique Daphne got his first career touchdown, which is always a lot of fun. And secondly, put this down as a note in kind of his career history book, but Josh Jackson was a healthy scratch. Still don't know what to make of Josh Jackson in general. I'm pretty sure I'm off the Josh Jackson bus, very skeptical of the idea that he's going to turn it around here in, what, his fourth year with a new defensive coordinator, it just seems like a big ask. Well, let's put it that way. It seems like a big ask to say, okay, Josh Jackson, you've been in the league for a while now. You've been pretty underwhelming. You've never picked off a pass. Uh, You've never really been a consistent rotational player at any point in your career, except, I guess, 2018, which was really kind of a lost season anyway, now turn it on. Show us why people were right to support the Kevin King signing as just a sort of depth deal, because you are prepared to step in and be that solid number two corner. I just am mystified here as to what, what they were doing with him at this point of the season. He's either really bad, and they just don't want to cut him, Or the staff doesn't have the slightest idea what to do with him. And it could be both. But that is a problem for the Packers to figure out, not for me to worry about. Just a mystifying situation for us, though, 
from the outside looking in. Before we get to the playoffs, let's take a second and shout out a couple of our Patreon supporters. Today, I want to talk about Justin Parker, Andrew Petz, and Kyle Sparks. Each of these fine individuals has been supporting the Power Sweep on Patreon since 2019, coming up well, for most of them on two years here. So appreciate each of you for being involved there. And if you would like to get involved as well, it is the best way for you to help us keep the lights on here at the Power Sweep and Blue 58. Uh, really appreciate everybody who's taken the the time to support us there. It's real easy. Patreon.com slash the Power Sweep. Choose your membership level and uh, enjoy your benefits. You get bonus content there. You get access to our Discord server. And again, you get to help us keep the lights on here and keep everything that we do ad-free because I think that is the way to be. So consider supporting us on Patreon. All right. Divisional round. Packers taking on the Rams at Lambeau Field in front of fans. Very exciting. Rams rolling in with a very, very good defense. Uh, albeit one that is a bit banged up. Aaron Donald has some bad rib issues. Uh, Jalen Ramsey uh, on the outside may be in position to shut down Devontae Adams. So what are the Packers going to do? Well, more or less, they dominated this game pretty much start to finish. They take over pretty early, move the ball, I don't want to say at will, but move it pretty comfortably uh, throughout most of the first half and run up a 19-10 to 10 lead by the end of the first half. And although they did slow down a little bit in the third quarter, this game was well in hand for most of the final quarter of the game. The Rams held the ball. The Rams held the ball. Don't know what that accent was. The Rams held the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead exactly once in the second half. They took over down six, or took over down seven, excuse me, on their own six, with 13-17 to go in the fourth quarter. They embarked on an epic seven-play, 25-yard drive, punted. The Packers scored on their next drive to go up 32-18, to and that, my friends, is all they wrote, all she wrote, whatever. Packers were in control pretty much wire to wire in this playoff game. We got a question from a listener uh, after the last episode talking about uh, the win over the Tennessee Titans, asking if that was the best game of the entire season. I think it's got to be either that one or this one. Sure, this one maybe didn't feature the the scoreboard fireworks of that one. Sure, Devontae Adams didn't have one of his many hundred-yard games in this one, didn't put up big stats or anything like that. But in terms of beating someone who's supposed to be a real threat to you, I mean, this one is right up there uh, with the win over the Titans. And I have a a tough time distinguishing between the two in, in terms of what I would put one or two. But it's either this one or that one in my money for the best game of the season. And I might be inclined to put this one first just because of um, the stakes involved. What did we forget about this game? I'm going to skip over what emerged as a long-term storyline here because there's only one story at this point in the season. Are you winning or are you not? What did we forget about this game? I think what kind of gets forgotten is how good the Packers' defense really played. There's a couple things that really jump out of the box score. First, um, even though his work as a pass rusher sometimes goes 
a little bit under the radar just because he hasn't really gotten to the point of his career where he puts up a lot of counting stats yet. Rashawn Gary did about as good of a job of stuffing the box score as you probably can as a as an edge rusher. Sack and a half, uh, a tackle for loss, three quarterback hits, pretty good day at the office. Zadarius Smith also had a sack. Kenny Clark had a sack and a half as well. That's a pretty good effort, especially when you're playing against a somewhat skittish, let's say, uh, Jared Goff. So, pass rush, big plus in this one on top of the Packers offense going up against a very good uh, Rams defense. Chris Barnes also had a good game in this one. Ten tackles, uh, seven solo, no tackles for loss, but that's not really his game. Uh, he kind of has just been a, a cleanup man so far in this point. at this point of his career. He's uh, doing a good job of um, just making sure nobody gets too far downfield in the middle of the offense. Uh, thirdly, Packers rushing offense, I think, uh, goes a little bit under the radar in this one. So Aaron Jones had a big 60-yard run, um, which boosts his stat line a lot. He, had, he ended up with 14 carries for, six, or for 99 yards, but 60 coming on one means that for most of the rest of his carries, they kept him pretty bottled up. But Jamal Williams, on the other hand, pounded away pretty successfully. 12 carries, 65 yards, only a long of 11, so he was carving off yards at a pretty decent clip. And then finally, A.J. Dillon also gets into the action, six carries, 27 yards. Finally, in terms of something we forgot, uh, Aaron Rodgers had a very fun touchdown run in this one, uh, faked Leonard Floyd right off his feet uh, and waltzed it in from there. But because of Neil Downs, he finishes with negative rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. So four attempts, negative three yards, a touchdown, uh, and a long rush of one. Just one of those funny quirks in the way that box scores and counting stats work sometimes. If you're wondering, if it seems like I'm delaying a little bit, you are probably correct. Because we have arrived at the end of this journey. The NFC Championship. What happened? Let's put it this way. It was there for the taking. Packers very well could have won this game. And if you said they should have won, I wouldn't argue with you all that much. It was right there for the taking. Let's put it another way. Spinning this positively, at least this game, I mean, this is the smallest possible positive spin I can put on this, but at least it wasn't a repeat of week six. With the benefit of some distance, and I think he even said some things similar to this after the game itself, by and large, I think the Packers actually played pretty well in this game, which is part of what makes it so frustrating. There is a caveat there, on the offensive side at least. I think they played well on offense, given the offensive line problems that they had. No David Bakhtiari. And they don't even have their emergency swing tackle in Jared Veld here because in a cruel twist of fate, they sign him in hopes of uh, getting some offensive line depth late in the season. And then what do you know? He gets a positive COVID test and that is it for him this season. The defense catches a lot of heat and rightfully so. They had some abhorrent breakdowns here. But outside of that just tragic end-of-half touchdown pass to Scotty Miller, and not including a touchdown drive that went all of eight yards because the Buccaneers took over deep in Packers territory, they played the Buccaneers pretty much how you are supposed to. 
they dared them to throw deep, and Tom Brady threw a bunch of picks. They didn't get as much pressure on Tom Brady as it would have liked, but generally speaking, the game plan was right there. They did what they were supposed to do. And yet, here we are, reflecting on a Packers loss a couple months later instead of what set the stage for their second Super Bowl appearance in the Aaron Rodgers era. The game itself, high-level summary here. The Packers played things pretty even until late in the first half, and then it kind of all fell apart in a short short while and left the Packers scrambling for essentially the rest of the game. After a Bucks punt, the Packers took over on their own 13-yard line with 2 minutes and 10 seconds left. Kind of dilly-dallied around for a couple downs. Then on 3rd and 6, they had a big completion to Alan Lazard. Aaron Rodgers was sacked on the next play. Packers call a timeout, and then Rodgers is picked off. There was a very obvious hold on that play, but it did not go called. Or it did not get called. It went uncalled. So the Buccaneers go down and elect to take a deep shot on first and 10 rather than kick a long field goal, and then you know what happens from there. The air is pretty much out of the balloon at that point, and the Packers are pretty much in the business of getting in their own way from there. I think this game, looking back, really comes down as much as anything to a few high-leverage plays, all breaking against the Packers. Sure, they didn't get good performances from their pass rushers. Sure, they didn't follow that part of the game plan for beating Tom Brady. That is all a given. They got some suboptimal performances from some of their biggest names. But a few of these plays breaking another way, half of them. And you're probably talking about a different story here. First one that comes to mind is a first-half bomb to Chris Godwin. Third and nine, Buccaneers go deep. Godwin goes up against Darnell Savage, makes an admittedly incredible catch, but bobbling the ball, manages to come down with it over Darnell Savage. A short while later, the Buccaneers are in the end zone. If Darnell Savage gets another fingernail on that ball, that may not be a completion. Devontae Adams drops a ball in the end zone. Sure, it was a back-shoulder throw, high degree of difficulty just to begin with. A little bit off target, that's a given. Still should have caught it. Packers end up settling for a field goal. How does an extra five points, four points in that situation there, depending on what they do with the conversion, change your calculus late in the game? It's got to be big. The Alan Lazard uh, no-call interception uh, and another no-call late in the game on Alan Lazard. One of those fateful third down plays that the Packers did not convert that everyone uh, on those drives that everyone points to and talks about how while they had opportunities, yeah, I mean, well, if things were officiated a little bit differently, they would have had some different opportunities. On penalties, things are either penalties or they're not. I categorically hate the it's the playoffs mentality. Football games are football games. Penalties are penalties. Either call them or don't and called them the same way all the time. Aaron Jones fumbling in the Packers' first drive of the second half, not only fumbling, but fumbling deep in his own territory. Buccaneers scoring literally one play later. That incompletion to Equinemia St. Brown on a two-point conversion. So Devontae Adams scores. Packers go for two in hopes of making it 28-25. to The ball is tipped and just ever so slightly changes its course, ends up bouncing off of Equinemia St. Brown and falling incomplete. Still should have caught it. And what if he does? 
Well, the Buccaneers scored one more field goal. That would have make it, made it 31-25. to 25. Do the Packers still go for the field goal with two minutes left in the game if a win is still on the table there? Finally, the Packers do settle for a field goal. instead of trying for a touchdown on their ill-fated last drive. In my heart, I think I still say go for it. I understand the calculus more now than then about why Matt LaFleur went went with what he did, made the decision that he did. I still don't agree. The question I've seen come up most is whether or not Aaron Rodgers should have tried for the goal line on the play. You know what it was. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, ultimately, I'm more surprised on that play that he went with the crossbody throw towards the middle of the field than that he didn't run it. Typically, he wants his receivers to be breaking for the end line in that situation. Uh, it seems like that's where he always makes his connections with whether it's Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson or whoever in those sorts of situations. If he does run it, even if he doesn't get in, it may change the calculus too. I'm just I'm a little bit surprised at how he handled that play from the throw to the, the other decisions too. We know how this game affected the long-term storylines, so we don't really have to talk about that. What then did we forget about this game? So we talked about those plays, those players who did not play well. But let's run over some smaller details from this game, some lingering questions. First, there was some weird running back usage in this game. Aaron Jones played 22 snaps, finished with 12 touches. Six targets on those 12 touches. Seems a little bit too high against this particular team. Swing passes to Aaron Jones are not a good way to beat the Buccaneers. A.J. Dillon, 16 snaps, 4 touches. Strange. Jamal Williams, 35 snaps, 11 touches. That seems too high. Related to that, let's talk about those second-half possessions people talk about the Packers wasting. One ended, as we said earlier, with another holding no call, which is going to bother me until the end of time. And one ended with a Rodgers sack on third and eight. Now, there has been much digital ink spilled over whether or not the Packers should have been running the ball in those situations, and you can quibble, quibble with the play calling if you want. But at that point, they were already down Aaron Jones, and if they're not going to use A.J. Dillon, you really want to burn your first down runs on Jamal Williams, I think I'll take my chances passing if that is the alternative. I, I just am not all that excited about the prospect of using Jamal Williams to attack that particular defense in that particular way. So I'll take my chances passing and Boy, if they just call one penalty differently, it might change a lot of this game. Speaking of penalties, let's talk about that Kevin King call. So you've seen the, the gifts, you've seen the screenshots, you've seen all the stuff about Kevin King reaching out and grabbing Tyler Johnson's white undershirt. Now what galls me about this call is that they didn't even call a hold. Look it up. It's in the official game book. This was not a holding penalty on Kevin King. They called defensive pass interference, which means that those gifts, those screenshots, those whatevers that you're seeing of him yanking on Tyler Johnson's shirt are not the penalty. What they actually called was illegal contact that occurred while the ball was in the air. And if you watch the replay, there is very little, if any. And Tyler Johnson very clearly takes a dive on that play, at best incidental contact. Props to him for doing that, but it wasn't a penalty. If you want to call the hold, call the hold, sure, but call the hold. And that's not what was called in that situation. That's going to bother me forever. Related to that, and we said this in our recap of, of his 2020 season, where's Tremont Williams? Wonder that forever. 
Where was Tremont Williams here? So that brings us to the end of the 2020 Packers. Closing that particular book, what a journey it was. A fun, fun team. A terrible, terrible ending. But what a blast to watch this team for the 2020 season. So I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58, and that's all I've got for you about the 2020 Packers. From here on out, we are looking to 2021. We're several weeks already into the 2021 league year, and it's time to start talking NFL drafts. And beginning on the next episode, we are going to start doing just that. But that is for another episode for right now. I have to say farewell, and thank you for listening. If there's someone you think would enjoy hearing this show as well, I would encourage you to share this episode with them. That's going to help more people find the show and ultimately help us further our goal of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans, including me. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.